Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to this, the first in a new series of podcasts for the Motorsport Magazine Hall of Fame. Before we get into the detail of uh, the next Hall of Fame, and there'll be plenty of that coming from our editor Damien in just a few minutes, we have to look back on a really great British Grand Prix. I think we're all still very excited about it. Are we, uh, Mark Hughes? I mean, you've seen a few. Yeah, for me, that was the best Grand Prix of this Season certainly, um, one of the, one of the best British Grand Prix, I think. Um, I think uh, it was going to be good even before the rain came and, and made it even more interesting. Uh, I think it, one of the things that made it was those demon starts that two Williams made, yeah. which put the faster cars out of position, the faster cars yeah. um, behind the slower cars, yeah. um, and it's uh, again it, it brings us back to. Why, why do we line the cars up in performance order and then expect them to overtake each other? Because it's not, it's not what happens. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, I think it was interesting in that respect. Yeah, I refer the right honourable gentleman to Suzuka 2005, which remains one of the finest races I've attended. Of the, yeah. I don't know how many I've yeah, done, I've lost count. But, uh, yeah, it's yeah. exactly the same, the same principle. Back yeah, to don't, Silverstone. Don't say it too loudly because you'll get burning on about reverse grids again. If, cause if it's anyway, cause it's Suzuka, back to, back but you're to right. the weekend at Silverstone, our, our own, the home of British motor racing, the British Grand Prix. Um, one of the things for me, Nigel, was um, the crowd. I mean, so fa- it's so fantastic after all this negativity about Formula One and a lot of sort of rather depressing talk about it to see all those people. It's just great atmosphere, wasn't it? Well, I mean, the, you know, the, 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 the new regime brought prices down I mean not to a sort of bargain level but you know but prices did come down a bit this year and, and they're, they're intending if they can to you know to do it to do it next year and it, it actually it never really surprises me because uh, you know Patrick Tombe always used to say what is it about you Brits you know at a time when there were tiny crowds going to Manucor and that sort of thing and he said you know and then you go to Silverstone and look at it you know, he said, you're just not like the fans anywhere else on earth. And I, I think there's something in that. You know, we, we don't even get big crowds at Monza anymore. We haven't had for years. Well, we love our motor so. racing, don't we, Damien? We sure do, yes. Um, I was going to ask Mark what he thought might have happened if the rain hadn't come, because <laughs> Lewis was getting caught hand over fist by Nico, and it was uh, 
he was looking a bit vulnerable there. So if he'd he'd been forced to come in anyway, wouldn't he? The um, w- when he was um, they were waiting for they knew the rain was coming, and um, Nico Nico kept uh, some tire heat because he hadn't been able to push as hard on the outlaps earlier on. Um, so that when the rain came, it was round Luffield and that, that, that sort of place. The tyres lost the temperature and if the, the less tread you've got on them, the, the more the temperature falls. And that's what had happened to Lewis because he'd done that dynamite outlap to get himself ahead of Massa um, and then extended his lead. And that's, that's what had stopped the tyres from being able to retain temperature when the rain came. So the fact that Rosberg was catching uh, Hamilton was to do with the rain falling at um, Luffield. So, yeah, I think with no rain whatsoever, it would have been a straightforward Lewis win, and Nico would have had to do a two-stop, which is what Mercedes were intended to do, to get him ahead of the Williams, because he'd, he'd not been able to get past him at uh, the undercut at the pit stops. I'd, I'd like to ask Mark Hughes a question as well. Um, you mentioned the start just now, which was in itself an exciting moment. Will we see a lot more of that when uh, the drivers start the cars as opposed to the trick technology that we have at the moment? That's the hope. Um, but talking to a few engineers at the weekend, um, they were all fairly um, you know, nonplussed about the idea and were shrugging their shoulders and said, well, we'll find somewhere else. We'll find another way of doing it. It, it won't, won't make a lot of difference. So let's see. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Simon, your British Grand Prix. Yeah, I loved every... I mean, I did uh, cheat slightly because I ducked out and went to Alton Park on the Saturday, but I was there Thursday, Friday, Sunday and um, enjoyed, uh, enjoyed uh, every second. I thought, I thought it was great. I mean, um, although I no longer attend every race, I do keep up with them as much as I can remotely and um, it's the best, certainly the best race I've seen this year. And it was nice to see Williams running at the front. I'd love to know... I mean, had Ferrari for example, being in that position with a slower car than Mercedes in the first few laps of the race. I mean, there would have been, so, well, certainly you know, Schumacher, Braun, Todd era Ferrari, there would have been an instruction would have gone out. Yeah. And you just wonder whether Williams is still not quite tuned into the kind of ruthless winning mentality that would have said, right, never, never mind whichever you, think, whichever you might think you're faster. Your job is this, your job is this. One of you pulls away, the other one backs the Mercedes up. That, that would have added another element to it, but uh, I mean, uh, yeah. I think that, that's going to come at some point, I'm sure. With given the, the respective pace of the two cars, that is the only way that was a winnable race for yeah, Williams. Absolutely, it was to yeah. sacrifice yeah. one of the drivers. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. Um, and rejoice, rejoice, McLaren scored a point. How about that? Which I predicted. <laughs> yes, marvellous. Well done, well done them. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, it's progress, isn't it? Of a kind, I guess. Uh, I think, that, I mean, had it not been for all the black cars falling out, well, I mean, one of them, the, the oh, well. two of those were McLaren's, but I mean, but Renault's falling apart, etc. I mean, I didn't see any hint of progress from McLaren at all, personally. No, no, not at all. And there hasn't been for several races. Um, Mark, what's your take on this? Um, we, we, you know, every now and then you hear a rumour that Honda will pull out or, you know, I mean, what, what, how do you see this going forward now? I, I don't know about the long-term commitment because uh, there's been a, a, um, a new president has come in, so uh, I guess he's taken stock. But um, in terms of uh, the how the partnership is progressing, no, it's 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 not a happy story. And 
you don't get the impression that Honda uh, fully, underpreci fully appreciates uh, the, the urgency of a racing program. It's almost treating it as a nice little R&D project, which is obviously frustrating the hell out of the McLaren people. And I think um, McLaren would like to have more control over it than they they have got because at the moment they, it's just well we don't we don't know when we're going to get uh, decent horsepower or decent reliability they they tell us there's a fix coming but we don't know when so it's yeah it's 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 not obvious where it's heading. Nigel, you and I. Well, what Mark says is 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 dead right, but, it, but the depressing thing is that when Ross was first at Honda, that was exactly the word he used. You know, there's. There's just, I mean, they, and this was not, Honda had been in for several years by then with the program they were on at the time. And he just said, I cannot get any urgency into them. You know, it's, uh, it's, that was always said of Honda. You know, you talk to Surtees about how things were in the 60s. And he says, you know, it was very much, this is how we do things. Um, so I, I don't know what it's going to take to turn that around. I'm still amazed that everybody, all of me, you know, whether it's Eric or the drivers, are still resolutely, you know, coming out with, no, 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 it's going to come round, it's going to come round. Um, and there hasn't really been any sign, any public sign of, you know, what must yeah. be going on under the surface. Eric was quite outspoken for the first time this yeah, weekend when he was saying that, you know, th this is damaging McLaren's brand. And, you know, that you, you, you build brand value by being successful and by continuing to be successful, and that affects your income, et cetera, et cetera, which it, it surely does. Well, particularly bearing in mind the road car manufacturing. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the British Grand Prix. Um, as I said right at the top of the show, this, in fact, is the first of our new uh, Motorsport Magazine Hall of Fame podcasts. And uh, round the table, we have a panel, uh, Mark Hughes, Nigel Roebuck, Simon Aaron, and the man himself, Damien Smith, who's now going to explain it all. Okay, so <coughs> um, we founded the Motorsport Magazine Hall of Fame in 2010. Um, the idea being um, a way to celebrate the great names of motor racing, past and present. Um, it was, a, you know, um, also a way for us to, um, you know, ha have an evening where we we celebrated motorsport. As well, and uh, and and everything we stand for, for now ninety one years. So that was the sort of intention behind the Hall of Fame. We did five Hall of Fames over the next five years, uh, and they were lovely occasions, very well received by the motor racing uh, community. Um, and we inducted um, a lot of drivers, riders, engineers, team owners in that time. The idea um, really is an American idea, the Hall of Fame. It's, it's very popular in the States. It's not done so much over in Britain, which yeah. is why we thought there was a, a room for it um, over here. Um, and the idea is, well, the, the, the first year we um, announced eight founding members, the kind of the kind of people in our sport who are, would obviously take place, uh, take their place in any Hall of Fame. Um, and that was Nuvolari, Enzo Ferrari, uh, Fanjo, Moss, Clark, uh, Stuart, Senna and Schumacher and then from then on we could then induct four maybe five um, personalities each year and just keep rolling um, the problem with it was 
it didn't really include our readers and our listeners yeah. and the people who um, um, you know are, are key to motorsports ongoing success and um, we decided to have a, have a rethink on the format and find a way where um, um, our uh, our readers and our, our listeners to these podcasts could actually get involved so from now on what we're going to do is Cut the cut the Hall of Fame each year into categories. Um, so we'll start with Formula One today, um, but there'll be other um, podcasts uh, on sports car racing, uh, US racing, um, motorcycling, and rallying. And the idea is that we, um, between us here, um, we discuss the kind of people who should be in our Hall of Fame, and we come up with a long list of maybe a dozen names of people from, uh, uh, so in this case, Formula One who um, should go into the Hall of Fame. But then we hand over to um, the listeners to these podcasts, to our readers, um, and you then vote for who goes into the Hall of Fame in 2016. We'll still be holding the um, the glitzy evening somewhere. We haven't quite worked out where or when. Um, there's also a change for that in that we'll be actually selling tickets for that for the first time, whereas in the, in the past it's been in invite only. And, you know, very exclusive, maybe, maybe too exclusive. It's a time we became a bit more inclusive. So um, the evening will still happen at some point next year, but this will give us a way of... Um, Talking about some great names on the website over the next few um, few months uh, and in the magazine as well, um, we'll, we'll, there'll be a vote um, that'll be available online this week to, to kick, kick the ball rolling with uh, with Formula One. And as I say, to, to follow, we'll be doing sports cars and we'll do uh, right. motorcycling as well. So that's the idea. Um, so what we've done is we've all had a thought, think about who we would have in the Hall of Fame. I mean, previously, the way it essentially worked was Nigel and I would chat. Uh, usually over a glass or something about who should go in next, and um, it was it was great fun to do and always good fun trying to track uh, obviously the, the, the those who are still alive down to try and get them to, to arrive in the evening, and then for those who who are no longer with us, then uh, work out a family member who could join us. Um, so this this basically opens that discussion up to to the public to actually hear how how good. we come up with who who who's who's next we've also asked some of the previous um the, the current members of the hall of fame who they would have next um so we've got a few a few of those uh, have come in as well so um i'll i'll kick things off um and say that um simon contacted ross braun who was inducted in 2014 um and he said uh, patrick head who is, of course, in the news at the moment anyway because he's just been made a knight. Yes. Quite rightly. And uh, Ross said, not only for winning many races and championships, but his contribution in developing the talents and establishing the standards of very many engineers and technicians in motorsport, myself included. Nigel, you've known Patrick for, what, 40-odd years? Um, I mean, we wanted to induct him, didn't we, the year that we actually inducted Frank yeah. and have the two of them together. That's and right. Patrick That's was right. on holiday, so he couldn't actually make That's it, right. unfortunately. Yeah. So we yeah. thought, well, well, we'll save Patrick for another day and come back to him. So uh, um, it's about time, isn't it, for Patrick? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was time, you know, when we wanted to do it originally. He should have, he should have been one of the very early, uh, you know, inductees. Um, yeah, I don't think anybody could argue against that. I mean, Patrick's influence, apart from the, his own success, you know the cars he designed. I mean, his influence has been very profound. I mean, you know, a number of of other people who've gone on to be great, great designers, who who sort of essentially trained, you know, under Patrick. So yeah, for sure. And Jody Schechter actually also mentioned uh, Patrick along with um, 
Jason Plato. J- which, J- yeah, you came back with Jason Plato. I know we don't have a category for touring cars, but it's yeah. a point for discussion maybe at some point. Yes. I mean, you're quite look, surprised by that though. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you look, I mean, guys like um, Matt Neal's been doing what, 25 consecutive seasons. Alan would know. I mean, is it 25 consecutive seasons? I'm not saying that makes you a Hall of Fame contender, but there are some interesting points that we could perhaps look at at some stage. Maybe, maybe. maybe yeah. Yes. That means no, doesn't it? Well, um, yes. if you're saying longe- longevity comes into it, then of course that opens up the field quite a lot. Yes, it, yes, it? It, yes, it would, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, we also asked um, Mario Andretti, who unsurprisingly really um, uh, put Ascari down as the guy that he would um, he would have. It. I mean, Ascari had a huge influence on Andretti's life, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Absolutely, he did. I mean, he was when Mario was first taken to Monza in 1954. Um, and that was the first time he ever saw a Formula One race. I mean, that was, you know, he'd already fallen in love with racing, but Ascari was already, you know, his man. Any Italian kid, you know, he was, he was his man. And I think, you know, if you bear in mind that um, Jenks, no less, always said without any question he was the greatest driver of the 50s, and Jenks had no doubts at all he was better than Fangio. We said, no, Ascari could beat Fangio any time he... He liked in the, in equal cars, and and the last Italian champion, amazing. The last Italian champion, yeah, yeah, for a country that's at the heart of everything the motor race. Well, you know, I mean, arguably, and he was the last great Italian driver, if you you know, if you use the word great yeah. in its proper context. So yeah, yeah I mean, he should definitely be in for sure. Okay, this uh, this long list of twelve is going to be quite hard to keep to twelve, I suspect. So, um, Mark, um, could I ask you? Who would you put in a Hall of Fame? Um, the the one thing that the one name that comes to mind immediately for me is um, Mauro Fogheri, uh, Ferrari designer, 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, he he had the fantastic era of success in the 70s, but that was when the Fiat money started coming in. Um, before that, he was he was virtually creating these cars single-handed. He was responsible, he did everything. He did the, the chassis, the engine, the gearbox, ran a team of, I think he had about five helpers, and every year he would come up with a, a new car. And um, he, he inherited um, a set of engines that were rooted in the 50s, and uh, was constantly on at Enzo that we needed a new generation of engine. and. The old man always was saying that well, he didn't have the money to do it. And when the Fiat money finally came in in the late 60s, uh, he gave him his head and he came up with that flat 12, um, which uh, won those titles, um, was used throughout the 70s. Um, and uh, his first turbo engine uh, was, you know, you bear in mind that Renault had spent millions um, proving this new technology and um, God knows how many people. Um, again, him and God knows how many years as yes, well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, he, with a very small group, um, that that engine, although the car wasn't a great one initially, <laughs> that engine was instantly more powerful, more reliable than Renault's. It just it sort of under underlined his uh, his mastery of, uh, of the engine side of it. But I think um, Nigel would agree he'd done uh, some very good cars as well. I mean, not least the 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 T the the Ferrari three one two T series and the 312B, but during the Chris Amon era, Amon always used to reckon that. Well, that he, Chris always said they were the chassis was better than anything else, without, yeah. without a doubt. 
And the other thing about Mauro is, you know, you've got to think all those years as well as that, he was also doing the sports cars. Yeah. yeah. So he really was an extraordinary, you know, one-man band, really. He tells his anecdote that um, when he was pushing the old man for, for investment for the new engine, and the old man had said no, he said, well, I said... Well, for 1968, could we at least just concentrate on F1 rather than F1, sports cars, Formula 2, Can-Am, hill climbs? Said, he said, if we can just do that, we would win probably three Grand Prix. And he said, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. And he said, we only won one Grand Prix. And he said, so um, I put my resignation in at the end of the year. And he said, you're not resigning from anything. You're going off to modern to do with this new engine that you want to do. So. <laughs> I mean, his career yo-yoed. Didn't it almost you know mm. through through different eras? He was in, in favour and out of favour. Yeah, as, it's a, it was the political hotbed, it, it, wasn't it? It's true, but if you, uh, but when I mean, you speak to anybody who worked with him, I mean, I mean, if you talk to Nicky about him now, I mean, they all say he was absolutely in his way. He was barking mad, mm. but a genius. Yeah, absolute genius. Yeah, and to link three decades of Ferrari from the early thirties era all the yeah. way through to the turbo era for one man to have that amount of influence. Yeah, extraordinary. Yeah, yeah, Rob. Let's bring you back good in. Good choice. Good stories. I like. could listen to that a yes. bit longer. Uh, me? Oh, well, I'm unhesitatingly Gordon Murray. Ah, you're in good company because Adrian Newey, um, uh, I didn't see him over the weekend. He was a bit busy for some reason. Um, <laughs> but he, he did email me this morning um, to suggest uh, Mick Doohan for motorcycles. So yeah. we'll come back to that uh, at a later date. And then Gordon Murray, he was, it was his suggestion as well. So, uh, Rob, you're in good company. Why, why Gordon? Oh, for me... Um, all you have to do is just close your eyes and think of those beautiful Brabhams, those beautiful McLarens, but they weren't only beautiful, they were quick. They won races, they won championships. And on top of all that, the McLaren F1 road car, which for me, if, if I could have any road car on the planet from any era, that would definitely, definitely be it. I don't think anyone will ever build a more exciting, better looking road car. I just think, anyway. Um, and also, you know, what he's done since, try, venturing into new technologies, new ways of building cars, you know, putting racing behind him um, and applying that amazing brain. And, of course, he's a genius who is not barking. You know, that's, that's another nice thing about Gordon. And he, um, he is interested in all sorts of other things in life. And I like people like that. He kind of sums up that free-thinking, free freewheeling spirit, which... You know, motor racing used to be about sure mm. in the 70s yeah. yeah yeah and they were just i mean they were you know he bit, he designed some great grand prix cars didn't he yeah is that enough that's good yeah 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 i mean simon <coughs> well unfortunately my, my thunder has just been stolen by by by, by widows are ah, because uh, gordon ah. was kind of pretty hard by this as well i mean I, for all the reasons that rob's just said and i think also the first Grand Prix I attended in person was Silverstone 77, and although James Hunt won, most of the afternoon, Watty was ahead in the Brad Malfa, which looked nicer than everything else and sounded, sounded. <laughs> sounded even better. So, I mean, for those two, I mean, so I've, I've always just got a soft spot for that. But, I mean, another name that I will pitch in, and um, I suspect I might get winced up from my Lord Hon Right Honourable Roebuck across the table, is uh, Mr. Mansell. Um, no, no. You wouldn't. Yeah, okay, no, just, just checking. Um, I just think Nigel Mansell, I mean, it sounds like a populist thing to say, but I, I wouldn't wrap my chips in the Daily Mail. Um, it's the, I think he's often quite underrated despite everything he achieved. I mean, people just say, oh, he yeah. started winning when he got into Williams, but I mean, I was lucky enough to see him racing way back in Formula Ford and stuff, and he was a, it was very clear back then he was a force of nature. 
uh, he did Formula 3 on fourpence halfpenny and was quick but always run out of money about three races and he won a couple of races in the uncompetitive March Triumph Dolomite in the wet admittedly but that's kind of a, a leveller um, he got into the Rolled Honda in F2 was quick in that but then he was kind of fast-tracked into Formula 1 and he hadn't done a huge amount when he got into F1 because he had such a fractured programme apart from Formula Ford most of the things he'd done or had been uncompetitive cars and you know of course it took him time to get up to speed but this, this I mean he put the window out in Senna which tells you everything you need to know about the bloke. And I know he had a car advantage in 92, but he didn't always have a car. He didn't have a car advantage against, you know, when he was against Nelson Piquet at Williams in 86, 87. Um, and he outperformed Piquet more often than not. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, th- I think... Pe- I mean, he, his personality was divisive, but you could say the same about Senna, you could say the same about Schumacher. As a racing driver, pure and simple... I think he was marvellous, and you know, for that reason alone, I think he should be in there. Yeah. Good. Nigel, you knew him all the way through. I mean, mm-hmm. um, from the first Grand Prix when Austria in 1980, he was sloshing around in the yeah, fuel. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was drama, <laughs> and there was, you know, he was up against it from the start, wasn't he? There was he always. Was. Yeah, Poor, <laughs> bless him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you, you saw, I've been always intrigued to talk about, talk about Mansell to you because you saw him develop as a driver but also as a character and you saw the different facets of him mm. and he was a very different guy at Lotus to how he w- ended up at, at Williams wasn't he? he? He was but I mean I mean, to me uh, you know for instance he was I, I thought uh, for in terms of being um, easy to deal with I thought Mansell was at his absolute best when he was at Ferrari and I expected the very opposite when he went to Ferrari I thought oh jeez you know, which, what 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 sort of chaos is this going to lead to? Thinking of you know Italian politics and <laughs> and everything else, and I just thought I, I I just don't really see this working. I thought it'd be quick, but I could see all kinds of you know of problems. And in point of fact, he was he was he was he was a doddle to deal with in in that period. And he, he was at his least e- easy to deal with when he went subsequently then back to Williams, um, and particularly by by uh, by ninety two. Um, it was not easy, but the the, the bloke behind the wheel. Um, oh, the, the bloke behind the wheel was. I mean, he 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 took great um, exception to the fact that I think some of us, Alan Henry and you know, Morris Hamilton, people, people like and I, did not rate him with Senna and Prost. Not far behind, but but we 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 I think we all thought those two were on a just on a, a separate um, plateau. But he ma- that made him he was really angry about that. And he wants it, in fact to Lakeep one day he he was being interviewed by Lakeep and he described us as quote corrupt. Now we never f- quite figured how we were corrupt in not rating him with Prost and Sanna, but but that was you know that was his word for it. Um, he probably meant something else. He may have done. <laughs> he may have done. But I think the problem was, he was, you know, in 92, you know, I, I still think uh, maybe the Mer- maybe Mercedes the last year and a half is starting to make me change my ideas a little. I still think FW14B was the most superior Grand Prix car to its opposition that I've ever seen. Mm. And... I think, I mean, you, all you have to remember about that year is Tracy was second in the championship ahead of Senna. Yeah. Um, but it was almost as if Mansell finally had a car that was quantifiably better than anything else. 
but he was concerned that the world would say that it was the car that was winning and, and not him. So, it, I mean, what drove Patrick round the bend that year, you know, any number of times, Nigel would invent a problem with the car mm. that he'd had to, you know, surmount. And it really wasn't necessary. I mean, you know, I mean, he'd, he, he was, it was the quickest car. Mm. And I don't think anybody could have driven it quicker than he could. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's what happens sometimes, you know. I mean, look, look all those years with Michael. Yeah. Ferrari. Look, look with Lewis now, you know. It sometimes happens. You do get far and away the best car, and mm. you just can't help winning. Yeah. But don't be embarrassed about it. You know, make the best of it because you, you know, a lot of the you know, speak to Alonso. I was, yeah, I was going yeah. to say yes. But I think the um, in '87 uh, at Silverstone, um, I, I remember that so vividly because oh, I you know I was I was 12 at the time, so I was an impressionable kid who, um, and I didn't have the. Uh, experience of Mansell the, the bloke he was just the, the driver who um, was just always exciting and that that chase of PK I think we've talked about this before Mark where quite a few of us were there at the circuit around spectating and we were actually probably all within a few hundred yards of each other didn't know each other at the time and uh, uh, I was a Mansell fan but y you, were, you were cheering for PK weren't you is that right? Well, no, I wasn't I was uh, neutral but my brother was cheering for PK all right. and you were, you were at club yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, at Stowe. Yeah, and um, um, I, I can tell you the anecdote, but it, it involves swearing, and so I, I, uh, Alan can beep it out. <laughs> <coughs> so uh, yeah, Warren was down near the front of the crowd, and I'd gone for a cup of coffee or something. So I was several rows back, but I could see where he was. And um, yeah, so Mansell was doing that great comeback drive after he stopped for the <laughs> the fresh tyres because a wheel weight had come off, and I ended up. Act actually accidentally being the, the the right strategy and so he was coming back at him at a great rate of knots um and it was just a question of it was was he gonna have enough laps left and so i could see warren you know getting a bit stressed thinking no 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 and um we actually so from where we were standing at club we actually could see across the the the, the, the move <laughs> and uh, he looked up back at me and just said, bastard! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you do like a bit of crowd involvement, don't you? I do, love it. Yeah. And you could see the reaction of all the uh, Mansell fans around just looking very puzzled as to why this... <laughs> but, well, they are, but again, go back to that period, you see, and he was, he was dead easy to deal with. Yeah. He was. He's a real... And I, I mean, I remember that too, because I, in fact, I, when you're talking about that moment, I was in the um, box with Murray and James and Greg Norman was in there as well. I, don't know, I can't remember why now. He was Mansell's friend, wasn't he? Yeah. he? Well, he was certainly Mansell's friend, yes, of course. Yes, he was, and of course he went bananas. When, but I remember James looking at me and saying, Mansell's had a rush of blood or something. <laughs> <laughs> and it was one of the great passes, wasn't it? It yeah. was, yeah. I saw it. But, it, but right you know, but he would do, that's what he could, I mean... It's like Paraltada with Burger. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You know, everybody remembers that. They, they don't remember that he was behind Berger because he'd had a spin yeah. in the first place. Yeah. But even so, you know, the parking, the, the, the passing maneuver was just... Did you really see it? Yeah. There was, yeah. The, what, there was the instance where um, he'd done a 360 degree spin, I think, Imola. Um, Berger had put him on the grass. He'd mm-hmm. done a 360 degree spin, mm-hmm. and his next flying lap was the fastest lap of the race up to that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It wasn't bothered. No, 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 no. No, no it's true. <laughs> it's no coincidence, Rob, is it, that we're, we're talking more about Mansell than anyone well, else? Just just, well, it's, it, it's inevitable, I'm afraid. It, yeah. it was like that all the way through his career. It's great, yeah. I, won- yeah. I, wondered, I wondered, guys, um, do we see any parallels between Mansell and Hamilton? Absolutely, I saw it. Because I clearly, do a lot. Very clearly this yeah. week again because there's there's a reciprocal relationship yeah. going on there between the driver and the crowd and yeah. they, they, they're both very much yeah. aware of it and they're very much play to it yeah. um, and it's it's a big part of the kick that they get from it yeah. and other drivers sort of seal themselves yeah. in this little yeah. bubble um, but certainly um, Hamilton and Mansell the two guys I've seen actually yeah. use a crowd to work yeah. work a crowd and, and, and incorporate it into the performance almost uh, also they also they both to me a, a Mansell in the past and Hamilton now struggle with themselves yeah quite often no, they are they're, very, they're both very complex yeah. personalities yeah. Um, but there's there's, there's, there's there's dynamite within them and yeah. when they get access to that it, it's yeah. thrilling and that's what um, that's what a lot of the crowd, I yeah. think, um, identify with. Absolutely. Real races. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. It's a bit like being down the pub with your mates and having a good old chat about motor racing. So I hope all of you listening are going to join in and vote because yeah. the people are going to decide, aren't they, man? That's the idea. That's the idea. Yeah. I mean, we've got a few... Um, I've got a slightly left-field one from Jackie Stewart who hasn't gone for someone, um, I'd say, he was obvious. Very worthy. Um um, but he um, he chose Mike Costin of Cosworth fame, um, obviously the cause of Cosworth. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason why he went for Mike is obviously because of the input he had on the most successful Grand Prix engine ever. Um, but also I think he gets overlooked compared to Keith Duckworth's um, yeah, place in history. Um, and uh, typical Jackie to go for someone kind of behind the scenes, I guess, as well, someone who wasn't so much in the public eye. Um, what do you think? Mike Costin a good uh, a good one for our list? Yep, yep. Would it be wise to have Costin and Duckworth as a double act in the same way as the Hills came in as a double act? Maybe It's quite hard to separate them in that way, isn't it, really? Mm. Given, given I think yeah. it'd, be unfair, it'd be unfair to in, in, induct Mike and not Keith, yeah. <laughs> and, and vice versa. It'd be like separating uh, yeah, Cosin and Worth, no, wouldn't it? That makes complete sense. Well, we, we did put uh, Graham and Damon Hill in together, uh, a couple yeah. of years ago, so I think yeah. um, if if we were There's a double act, and we would yeah. have put Frank and Patrick and together if, if we know, could have done, yeah, Patrick been available, so yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I think I think those two. Are, uh, two if you're two. watching the video, you 
probably be able to see our web editor writing these names up on our board here. Yes, Ed's, he, Ed's playing he, teacher. Has he spelled any of them? Has he spelled them all correctly? So when he turns his back, we, <laughs> <laughs> when he turns his back, we throw things at him. Yeah, you're okay. <laughs> okay, just to explain what he's doing there. That's all. Um, on my list, um, we're a couple. Um, again, divisive characters in a way. Um, Mike Hawthorne. Now, I've I've been harangued by a few people, uh, some of our readers, for the fact that Hawthorne isn't already in the Hall of Fame, um, and uh, it's something I like to defend against. Now, Nigel, what what's your what's your take on Hawthorne? There's a, there's a, there's almost there's a, a real sort of well of feeling about Hawthorne among some a certain generation, I guess, in this in this country. Well, I mean, gee, I mean, I did see him race, but I mean, I, you know, when I was when I was little, and I'm not really able to form much in the way of sophisticated judgments. But from my, my memories of him, and I, and I went to a lot of races with my dad, you know, whether he and Sterling were both there. And what sort of registers from those days is he was one of those drivers who was unbelievable today, and tomorrow he wouldn't know he was in the race. So very up and down. And I think, you know, it was. We subsequently learned after he, after he, you know, been killed, about you know just the extent of the health problems he'd had, and the, particularly his, his um, kidney problems. So I think maybe his health, just literally, was he feeling great today or was he not, may have had you know quite a lot to do with that. But he certainly was. I mean, on his day, he was fantastically quick. And, and aggressive, and, and he was a you know a hell of a racer. I think he was of his time as well. He was sort of emblematic of that um, Britain coming to the fore in motor racing for the first time in international motor yes, racing. Yes, he was. Um, yeah, you know, know, that, that early post-war. He was. And um, it was a very sort of uh, romantic time, very dangerous time, and uh, he, he cast a big shadow, didn't he, because of that? He did. I think um, you know he's a glamorous figure, and mm. it was it was fantastic, I, I guess to see this young Brit doing stuff that we were not previously been associated with. Racing and he, and he was with them, you know, he, and he was with a with major team before Sterling was. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he was, he was a, the first Brit to win, you know, to win a um, Grand yeah. Prix for, you know, in 53, Grand Prix Pro. And beat uh, Fanjo that day as well. He did. Yeah. I mean, it was at Reims, which was not the greatest driver's track, but I just think, you know, he was one of those people you could say, and there have been how many, God knows, through history, on his day he could beat anyone. Mm. But it was a matter of, you know, but how many days like that did he, did he have? Damien, um, what about pre-war drivers are we going to... And, and also, we, we've talked about Piquet this afternoon, but is he, is he in amongst the... Yeah, well, uh, on the first point, uh, the pre-war thing, although this is Formula One, I guess really it should be Grand Prix racing because we should, we should count pre-war... Uh, drivers as well. I mean, Nuvolari um, is is, a, is obviously a pre-war yeah. figure, and he's he was a founding member. Yeah. Um, and Enzo Ferrari started pre-war, yeah. obviously. So, um, uh, so I think absolutely, yeah. The the, the 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 greats of the pre-war era should be counted. We'll we'll probably call it Formula One for all sorts of um, boring um, reasons to do with websites that search engines like Formula One rather than <laughs> than Grand Prix racing. But um, I'm sure the listeners will forgive us for that and um, accept that. Um, uh, the, the pre-war greats are in there. As for PK, he's absolutely on my list. Um, uh, PK is an interesting one because I think sometimes in that amazing superpower era of the '80s, he's sometimes overlooked, um, dis- despite the, the fact his record is incredible. Mm. And um, again, you know, and 
I think he's known as a development driver who was great at testing and you know, and, and set up, but he was also bloody quick as well, wasn't he? Yep. He was, yeah, yeah, he was, yeah. he was. And what's your, um, where did PK place for you amongst the Senna's, Prost's and Mansell's? Oh, high, I mean, not as, not as high as Senna and Prost, um, but, but, you know, but very high. Um, I think, I mean, he was, he became very pragmatic, I think, Nelson. Um, I think, you know, particularly in 87, he, he had a huge shunt at, in fact, at Tamburello. Um, and Bernie was trying to persuade Sid Watkins to let him, um, to let him race. Um, and Sid says, well, when he remembers he's a racing driver, I'll, I'll think about it. So all that season, and he didn't tell anybody about it at the time, but all that season he was essentially, you know, mm. not right. Um, so a lot of that year he was sort of, you know, kind of, you know, hanging in there rather than, you know, looking to win, win, win. Um, and, and, you know, and fooled everybody to an extent. I mean, everybody thought, oh, he's a bit off the pace, but, you know, but he's still, he's still right and he did win the championship that year. So he, I think, you know, by the time he was with Lotus, he just completely lost interest. I remember being absolutely amazed. JYS rang me one day and said, um, oh, Benetton are thinking of having PK. And uh, I said, really? You know, I was, I was amazed because by then everybody thought he was just washed up and, you know, finished. Um, and, but I remember Jackie saying, um, but I've told them to put him on piecework. <laughs> which seemed very sensible to me. In other words, pay him by the point. Yeah, once... And, and you'll, you'll see something. And, and in fact, that's exactly what happened. Once, once he'd had that in injury, he did become very money-oriented. Um, he did. And uh, because he hadn't been particularly well-paid early in his career yeah, when he right. was winning those, um, the, the, the DFV championships. The, the, no, the, no. With and, and, in, and in fact, I mean, I remember... I mean, something like this is literally inconceivable now. In 80, uh, which year would it be? I can't remember, 85, 86. 85 was his last year with Brabham, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was. Alan, Henry and I have been watching practice at the Osterreich ring um, out in the mountains, which you could do in those days. It was, you know, it was something to see. We walked back down to the paddock um, and there was a little caravan in the middle of the paddock um, with its curtains drawn. A blazing hot afternoon. And as we walked past, there was a tap on the window and the curtain was pulled back and it was Nelson. And he went... So we went around and, went and sat in the caravan um, and had a beer. And he said, what am I going to do? Do I waste the rest of my life with Bernie or do I except Frank's offer. And I swear to you, that, that day, neither of us, and we were doing news week in, week out for you know, all the sport and motoring news, <coughs> neither of us had heard about this offer from, from Frank. There had been rumours, but we didn't know it was an offer. And he then said, um, you know, Jesus, I was driving pro cars all those years ago because I was making more money doing that than Bernie was paying me to do Formula One, and, you know, I can't go on like this. Bernie's, you know... I think Bernie was paying him a million at the time, and very resentfully. Um, but what really Nelson was wound up about was how much Pross was getting from, uh, from Renault. 
um, and, and Frank's offer was three times as much as, as, as Bernie's. Um, and we were in there for about an hour just talking it through, but it, 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 I mean, he and I have said many a time since, it's inconceivable now, isn't it, to think of a top Grand Prix driver asking a couple of journalists, what do you think I should do? Anything? Did Lewis not consult you, Nigel, when he's... Uh, yeah, not often. No, okay. Not often. <laughs> no, no, but... Uh, no, but Nigel wants to get cut. But, 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 it, but on the other hand, it's, it's, it's... If Nelson was still racing now, or the, his, you know, his equivalent, or... I, mean, I don't mean PK Jr., because I think he's a different animal, but uh, you, could, you could imagine even in 2015, Nelson PK, as he was, with his character, would still be exactly the same. Yeah. Still be quite likely to say, well, Sansa's only paying me this, and I want that, and... What do you reckon? Um, so he was he was very unusual in that respect. I mean, he was he was he was extraordinarily uh, informal. I think is the best way to put it. And, and actually, Gilles Chill was the same. Um, and there's another name we haven't talked about, uh, Mr. Editor. <laughs> we need to move things on a bit because we need to get all the names in the hat. Okay. So that All right. Well, I'm saying Gilles uh, right now. I was going to say, Nigel. I'm sure Mark will back me up. Okay. Well, yeah. it's surprising it hasn't come up before now. I just assumed he was already in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Third, thirded. Uh, and w what about Murray Walker? Uh, it's an interesting choice. Gosh, um, what a silence. No, I mean, it's, no, it's, 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 it's left field. It's yeah. we're, we're talking about participants. Well, personally, I think Nigel and I have talked about this before, and I think before we put Murray in for motorsport, we'd have to put Jenks in first. We would, yeah, because I think yeah. for our magazine particularly, um, yeah. Yeah. to put an, uh, uh, someone who well, Jenks was a was a racer in many ways, but yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I think personally, I would I would put Jenks on the list before before Murray for that reason. Maybe for the Mille Miglia alone, let alone all the uh, yeah. Well, and also, you know, we were talking earlier on about Patrick and the influence Patrick had on sundry young blokes around him and what they, you know, how they then spent their lives. I mean. Jenks had that effect on anybody of my generation who was sort of aspiring to be a, you know, racing journalist. I mean, he was the, you know, sure. the reason we, 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 we started it in a way. So do, do, they, do, they, do they all have to be competitors? I mean, we could, we could mention Sid Watkins. I mean, or do they have, they have to be participants as opposed to... No, I think um, Sid, Sid Watkins' place in, in motor racing is so intrinsic and so important. I think um, there are a limited number of people, I think, that we would consider who didn't actually compete or uh, weren't involved in that yeah. way. But I think so he should be Sid, one of them. Sid's one of them, isn't he? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. And if we're talking about the pre-war drivers, do we, we, I mean, we have to include Rosamine, Caracciola. <laughs> and Lang, and, yeah. I think. Am I allowed to go sort of pre-pre-war and go to Georges Boyot? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, pre-the pre other war. Yeah, pre-the yeah. other war, exactly, yeah. Because yeah. he, he, yeah, he, he should be in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ed, Ed's now googling George Boyer, is it? But I, I think also we were talking when just <laughs> mentioning Gilles earlier on. There, I think there, you know there are th three drivers I always think of who didn't never won a championship between them or or and didn't actually you know in, in sort of terms of big numbers, which we're all obsessed with these days, win massive number of, you know, of races. Yeah. But I, to me, Rint and Peterson and Villeneuve were. We're back on this force of nature thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, in terms of the impact they had on their sport, mm -hmm. uh, I think you know, was it, it, each of them it was massive. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And um, um, I mean, this is this is the thing that we're getting into now is is um, the the people to go into any Hall of Fame. There's there's so many from Formula One, uh, from from 
history and you know someone like Peterson uh, to to a younger generation it's hard to actually express what he meant to the to to people growing up in the 70s but he was hugely influential wasn't he yeah. oh he was and 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 you know and and Jochen was it's just that, thrilling to watch a viscerally yeah. well that's thrilling. the point that's the point it, you, you know, can put the, them in the Hamilton Mansell you, sort of if you went and stood at the watch. old woodcut uh, you know, yeah. to watch either Ronnie or Jochen yeah. through there. Yeah, right. Boy, you know. What about Fittipaldi, given, you know, yeah. what he achieved so young? And he could have won so many more Grand Prix if he hadn't uh, gone off with his brother. Um, mm. Yeah, he could. At the end of and the other thing about Amazon is, you know, look what he did in, in his Subsequent second life. Yeah. 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 In America. Yeah. 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 Good choice. Um, I asked, well, Simon emailed um, John Surtees and... John, being John, phoned straight back. Simon wasn't at his desk, so I, t- I took the call and um, explained what we wanted. And um, John uh, took a pause to consider, as, as, he, as he tends to do. And uh, he came up with a couple of interesting names because he, uh, I think he's always been a forward-thinking kind of bloke. And he, he, he suggested Jensen Button and Sebastian Vettel which I was quite surprised at. I didn't expect him to say that. Um, he's very close to um, the Button family, I think, through um, the fact that John uh, built the, the, the engines that Henry used to race in karting. Um, and he's also, he also said that um, back in 2000, when Frank was trying to work out who to put in the, the Williams, uh, uh, John actually suggested to Frank that um, Jensen would be a good bet. Which is quite an interesting one, um, and Sebastian. I think he he said that Sebastian was a great ambassador for the sport, and um, he's a big big Vettel fan. Quite surprising choices. So I said to him, "Isn't there someone from your racing era that you'd put forward?" Uh, and he immediately said, "Gurney, as someone we haven't yet got to." And again, the Gurney's another one who surely should have a place in uh, in any club yeah. such as this. Uh, just going on to following on from uh, John Surtees point. I think in future years we'll look back on the current era. Um, I mean, Fettel he's mentioned and Jensen as well. But I mean, for now, I mean, I think in future years when people look back at you know, the greats of motor racing, there'll be quite a few of the current or recent drivers who are discussed: Fettel, Alonso, Hamilton. This I mean, is I mean, a terrific right, era. Yeah, absolutely. In terms I mean, of they're the right up there. As, I mean, yeah, as, as amongst the all-time Alonso. greats. Yeah, yeah. saying yeah. Alonso and oh, Hamilton. Sorry. Well, I, I mean, this is as good to me as the, I mean, without being disrespectful to Michael, I think Michael's era was, thin. was on thin. an overall level, was, yeah. was, was, yeah, I mean, was very low. Michael had Mick, Mick, Mick yeah. Hackenham was the once, I mean, you know, yeah. Damon when they had the cast from time to time, but generally it was Micka and that yeah. was, that was yeah. it. Yeah. Good, well, we're getting a nice... We are, and what I should say is, um, we, at some point we're going to have to limit this list to twelve. And um, I don't think anyone who's not on that list of twelve it shouldn't be seen as being disrespectful to them, because the, the, the plan is for the Hall of Fame to have many years of, of life, and that we get round to um, eventually inducting all these people um, over the years. Um, it's just a question of focusing on who we think yep. would be good for twenty sixteen. Got to start somewhere. We have to start somewhere, and and, and I think um, I, I counted up. There's twenty nine people that are already in. Um, if you want to check out all the all the members of the Hall of Fame so far, they're all on the website, and they're all from different walks of life, and uh, they're certainly not all Formula One. We've started with Formula One because it is the most popular uh, category of motor racing and the most prominent, and it's the obvious place to start. Um, the interesting thing about the modern generation is um, Jackie Stewart, being being Jackie, has taken the Hall of Fame very seriously from the start, and he said to me that he didn't feel we should induct anyone 
who's still racing. He, he didn't feel it was something that we should do because uh, their careers aren't over. We can't assess their careers in true context. I um, think there's something to be said for that, don't you? There is some, there's some truth in that. I mean, we oh, have inducted oh, a few... Adrian Newey and Ross and people who have been st- still been active. Yes. Um, so it's... I mean, I just, I just wonder how you draw the line between a, an active uh, engineer and an active race driver. It's quite tricky. I mean, we inducted um, Ron, Ron Dennis in the first year, we in did. 2010, and, and I still feel quite rightly in terms of... Um, the impact that he had on motor racing in in his job for you know through the 80s and 90s and into the into the last decade um um he he wasn't exactly gracious in in his uh, acceptance of the award i would say but no. uh, <laughs> but um it it's probably that isn't it yeah he but doesn't do gracious not really no but um you know there's there's quite a few um there's quite a few members of the hall of fame who are still very much active in the sport so i it's yeah a, i think i think what Jay Wise is saying, I mean, I think that I can see that that makes to me absolute sense as regards mm. drivers. Mm. Well, maybe a- we should engineers are a different matter because they, you know, their, their careers are so much longer and and they're still producing when they've been doing it twenty five, yeah, thirty years. Well, maybe yeah. for the the Hamilton, Alonso, Vettel, Button generation, we we set them aside for now and come back to them in a yeah. few years when. Yeah. When, um, Actually, just one thing while we're talking about it, um, somebody at McLaren's was saying to me, they recently. The, uh, the real long-standing guys at McLaren, they were going reviewing all the drivers they'd had, uh, you know, including Senna, Prost, and all that. Um, who was the absolute quickest? And they all said Hakkinen. Really? Mm. Wow. Looks like he's going on the oh, board. That's then. interesting, though. Isn't he's it? on that, the board as well. That's, that's including Atten. Yeah. Which so that that's mm. quite okay. It kind of backs up that that that. Thought we always all well, had yeah, so Mike, Michael's so, big yeah, rival. So, yeah. Don't forget, we've also got the readers and the listeners making their contributions. Well, absolutely. I mean, um, a lot of these names have, have, have come up over the years because we've had a, an area of the website where they could put forward their ideas. And I think all these names were on there uh, at different times. So um, I'm sure no one will disagree with the names that we've come up with. It's a question of actually getting it down to... Um, a number we can actually put put forward for for next year. Um, I thought a dozen was a good a yeah. good number to start with, um, and um, uh, and it'll be fascinating to see who who you choose. Right, let's let's decide. Okay. We've got eighteen names on the board, so um, we're going to pick twelve. We could be here a long time, but we can't be. So. Let's get into it. And who who's an absolute must, Damien? Right, I think Mansell's an absolute must for me. Okay. Simon. Um, I would go with Gordon Murray. Nigel. Ah. Uh, okay, I will go with Gurney. Gilles Villeneuve. Gilles Villeneuve for Mark Hughes. It's like a game show, I love it. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for Hakkinen. Let's keep going. Okay, so that's five. Let's keep going. Um, Seven to go. Well, I, I think it's good to have some engineers in there. Um, and we've already got Gordon Murray, so we'll have another one. I think we should go for Patrick Head. 
Alberto Ascari. <laughs> Jochen Rent. Rent. <laughs> nice dramatic pause, Nigel. Sorry. That's okay. I do feel like Carol Borden. <laughs> you, you look a bit like Carol Borden. Yeah, yeah. That's probably not a mic, so I better just say. Ed, Ed's <laughs> saying he feels like Carol Vorderman. As I nominated them, I should say Mara Fokiri. Okay. I'm going to go. Uh, mine is um, Costin and Duckworth. Because that, that was an extraordinary um, event when that engine appeared at Zandvoort. Yep. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six. So we're down to eight. Um, we've got eight, eight, on the, eight on the list now. Oh, so we're going to just work out who else. Your turn again. Um, so one of the problems, I was about to say Jenks, but the trouble is if you have Jenks, then really for this magazine, you'd have to have body as well, wouldn't you? Because they were inseparable. Isn't Jenks really in our kind of hall of fame in the sense that he's just such an integral part of the motorsport magazine anyway? Yeah, yeah, he's really. Okay, I th- I'll think I'll go for um, Fittipaldi. Okay. Monsieur Aaron. Um... Sid Watkins. So we've got two more because we've got we've got ten, okay, I think. Nigel. Actually, there's a, a name that we mentioned who's not on the list, Ed, which is Caracciola. Um, Good call. And, and I would be tempted to say him. The last one is yours, Mark Hughes. And Rosemeyer. Rosemeyer. Caracciola, double C. Yeah. Good, fantastic. Okay, well, I guess the the excitement really is um, for our listeners and readers now, isn't it? Don't yeah, it's it's over it's over to them. So there'll okay. be um, an area of the site will be very obvious where you go on to to vote for. Um, I'll I'll run through the names just very quickly, um, but they'll be on the site. So two pre-war names in uh, Caracciola and Rosemeyer. Um, we have from the 1960s, Dan Gurney, and obviously uh, Costin and Duckworth um, from that era, and Forgieri. Um, we have from the 70s, um, we have Gordon Murray, Gilles Villeneuve, Patrick Head, Emerson Fittipaldi, um, and well, Sid Watkins was very much starting in the 70s, wasn't he? And then into the um, 80s, Mansell. Uh, and uh, 90s Hakkinen. Yeah, that's the list. It's a good list. It's a good list. It's a nice broad list. Yeah. And just to remind everybody, we're not choosing current drivers on the advice of Sir Jackie Stewart, just in case people are thinking, where is Vettel or Button or whatever. Okay. And, you know, it's really hard because the people we've left out this year, for now, include Peterson, uh, you know, PK. Hawthorne, all, all, you know, Boileau was a good shout from, from Simon earlier on. I mean, these, these are all people absolutely worthy, and, and it's not like they're, they're being overlooked because they'll, they'll probably be on the, uh, on the list next time. Uh, well, well, the fun thing is that we can all think about it over the next few weeks, and so can everybody listening, and yeah. all, all the people who read Motorsport magazine. Yeah. 
And it'll be fun to give it give it some thought and come up with some fresh ideas. And the, the fun thing's going to be trying to track down George Boyer's relatives when the time comes. Your job. Yeah, yeah, yes, I believe it. I thought it might be. Quite tricky. Um, and, it, and, and it is spelt correctly up there, by the way, everybody, just in case you... Okay. The, um, the, the, the vote is going to be open for um, the rest of the year, basically, because um, we want as many people as possible to vote and we want to publicise this as much as we can. Uh, to get as many people involved um, and um, as I say we'll, we'll be looking at other categories of motorsport coming up so we'll be doing sports cars next I think towards the end of August uh, is the plan um, and we hope to get some special guests in to join us along with our, our panellists um, you know, um, current um, Halls of Fame members who, who are available and can, can make it to join us in the motorsport office so uh, watch, watch this space on absolutely on well, I hope you've enjoyed it, everybody. If you're, if you're going down to the pub this evening, um, you can get your mates together and have a good old chinwag about it. I think it would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. And we can expect the flurry of people from saying, why isn't Kimi Raikkonen top of the list? Absolutely. <laughs> ah, <laughs> yes. Most yes. popular Formula One driver. Yes, the most popular Formula One driver in the world. I know. Interesting. Interesting. Surprised by that, Mark Hughes? The fans no, are? not really. No, he's, he's different. Maverick, yeah, Maverick. Maverick. No, he's, he's the anti. Yeah, he's, the, he's the anti-hero. Absolutely, yeah. no, no. doesn't surprise me at all. The girls love him in China and Malaysia as well, don't they? In Japan, they all love Kimi. Yeah, they? yeah. But people like the you know the churlish responses and you know don't give a damn. And you you go to India and the few motorcyclists that have got helmets on, they're, they're all Kimi Raikkonen replica helmets. Yeah. Oh, I might perhaps I'll try a bit of churlishness. Actually, well, it works very well. Works works very well. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much, Damien, uh, for putting all this together for us. And um, well, I'd also I'd like to thank uh, Nigel and Mark for coming in, especially for this one. Especially um, Mark, given that he's he's had hardly any sleep because he was yes. busy writing the the Grand Prix report uh, overnight. So uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. If you're watching the video, this is what Mark Hughes looks like after a Grand Prix with no sleep. Not bad, actually. <laughs> Never mind the facts, eh, Mark? Okay. Um, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And um, a, a big thank you, too, of course, for, for uh, reading our motorsport magazine. So if you're in any doubt about this, uh, there'll be plenty more about the Hall of Fame, both in the magazine and on the website. And we should say thank you very much to Ed Foster, who's our website editor, who's um, our blackboard man, uh, whiteboard man today. And, of course, to Alan who's been recording all this out of your picture. So, good. Thank you very much, everybody, and we look forward to seeing you next time. And I think it's about, it's less than a month away, and we'll be talking to Tony Southgate. That'll be a real good one. Yeah. So join us then. Thanks. Bye-bye, everyone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 